Warning, this show may contain adult content, language, and humor and is intended for mature audiences. If that's not you, please stop listening now. Nothing you hear on Sex and Science Hour is intended as medical advice, financial advice, legal advice, therapy, or really anything other than entertainment. Please take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Oh, and if you're hearing us on an affiliate network, the ideas and views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of the network you're listening on or of any sponsors or affiliate products you might hear about on the show. Now that all that's out of the way, let's start the show. This is Sex and Science Hour with Brian Sovereign and Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Get your freak on. Hey, it's Sex and Science Hour. Ooh, we had a little bit of a false start there. But yeah, uh, there was some odd, uh, there don't was have some any snare snap, in my headphones. crackle pop in yeah, the studio. Some, yeah, there it is, yeah. You know, it gets hot in the summer and weird things happen with the equipment. It's almost as though they're possessed, like almost as though someone put a Ouija board in our studio and it's moving (laughs) itself out of the trash can. Sorry, that was an inside joke. Right before we started the show, Brian was telling me this ghost story from his childhood where... His well, supposedly true story. Went to his cousin's yeah. house or something. And they were playing with the Ouija board, but his aunt and uncle thought it was satanic, so they made no. That well, well, tell the story. No, I, okay. No, so so they were they were my you know my my older brother and sister were over at my cousin's house and they were playing with the Ouija board and you know just having fun or whatever and supposedly it started actually doing something. Blah, blah, blah. You know, it was moving on its own. Right. And so they scream and, you know, some of my cousins screamed and my Aunt Dawn and, and, then and they all Uncle Bobby come out. Cream. Yeah. They came out and they, um, uh, you know, said, all right, well, let, you know, let's get rid of it. And so one of my cousins snapped it in half and they took it out to the garbage and they threw it away. And then everybody goes to sleep. And the next morning they come into the kitchen and there's the Ouija board totally intact on the, on the table. And, and my uncle Bobby in particular would swear that, yeah, I don't know what the hell happened, but it came back. Oh, well, that's like a dead giveaway. That's like the person saying, oh, did somebody fart? And it was actually yeah, them. I, he must have gone to the store and gotten a new one just to scare the kids. Or your brother taped it back together or yeah, something who and knows? put it on the table in the middle of the night. <laughs> right. I mean, I was a very, very little guy, so I, you know, I didn't care, but... Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, so sometimes we maybe we have some friendly studio spirits who like to inhabit the equipment, Duh. right? Fortunately, okay. we're atheists. All According right. to Michio Kaku, that might actually be true because Oh, good segue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've got this article here to start off the show. Um now this is from Catholic Online, so consider the source, right? When well, I well, when I went to this website, they presented me with a pop-up saying to subscribe to their email list to get important Catholic news every day and saying it was the most important email of the day. (laughs) Comes straight from the Pope. (laughs) Straight from God himself, really. Um, But you're saying, Brian, that this has been all over the news and it's not just in religious publications, but uh, this has sort of come out in other places. It's important to mention, though, like, yeah, okay, it's coming from Catholic, was it Catholic.org? Yeah. Which, boy, I don't know how much they paid for that uh, URL, but... um, Well, they didn't pay. They just... 
they got it as a tithe. Right. A yeah, it was just part of, uh, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, other websites, though, I haven't really seen many reputable ones, like really talking about what Michio had to say. But bottom line is, it's not just a religious website that is talking about this. But it's important to bring it up where we're getting it from because it might have that slant. So, Well, anyway. it's just funny because Michio Kaku is a Japanese scientist, right? A physicist. Incredibly well-known. Uh, yeah, very well known, yeah. well respected too. I think, actually, you know, Michio Kaku is one of those names I hear bandied about as somebody who basically bolstered their ability to become an atheist, right? Mm -hmm. Like people say that, yeah, you know, he studies the natural universe and the world, and um, therefore I was able to leave the church because I knew that science was true or something. Sure. So. I was kind of surprised to hear this news saying that Himichio Kaku is saying that there's a god. Now, you said, Brian, that he's come out in recent years, too, and said that, oh, it's all a computer simulation. We live well, in this Matrix-like world, right? Well, he it's pretty recent that he's even talked about that, and I think it's part of the article, too. So I, I don't know if you want to break into yeah, that. Yeah, it is part of the article. Okay, yeah. well, we can just get right into it, and we'll discuss the validity of but those I mean, ideas, he, according to us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he is kind of a big deal. He's he's sort of your Neil deGrasse Tyson level. Like, he, used, he had his own show, Physics of the Impossible. Mm. I've read his books. I mean, it's interesting stuff. But anyway, good. Okay, so for, from Catholic Online, the more scientists study the universe, the closer they seem to come to God. Now, a highly respected scientist <laughs> believes he has found evidence for God in his work and says that the universe is no accident. Now, you know, I want to stop right there for a second, because this is a very old saying that gets bandied about in various religions. And that is, is that, you know, as science, as scientists climb the mountain of evidence and the mountain of science, when they finally get to the top of the mountain, they'll just find theologians and you know in the apostles and whatever else when they get to the top saying that science is really just in a roundabout way getting to faith uh but whatever i think that's ridiculous but, but go ahead yeah i mean I, I i can talk about my own experience too later on but i you know definitely in biology you learn a little bit about biology and you're like oh that makes sense yeah sure evolution mm -hmm. and then you learn a little more about biology and you're like wow that's really complicated and that's like a really cool design. It seems like maybe somebody made that and not just nat natural forces. And then you learn even more about it, or at least this was my experience. And I'm like, I'm thinking, yeah, of course, this is natural forces, right? It's complicated and elegant. And there's a lot of interactions, but that doesn't mean that it was um, or centrally planned. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? A lot of great systems can come about that don't require any kind of um, invisible hand, if you will. Or so <laughs> Well, I yeah. guess the in invisible hand is the wrong word to use because the invisible hand is what Adam Smith referred to as the free market, where nobody's actually dictating it from the top down. It's just mm -hmm. that um, the, it's the coordination of a very complex system of uh, forces and, and people and interactions creating a beautiful result that looks like that comes out really nice. Right. But, it, but there's nobody controlling it from the top down. I think nature is like that, too. It doesn't need a central planner. In no, fact, if, a lot of stuff comes out better without a central planner. Well, most, I mean, pretty much everything does. I think if there were a central planner, we'd probably be dead uh, because <laughs> like, like, we just wouldn't have been able to handle and withstand all the different forces of evolution. I mean, one need only look at central planning today in very complex systems like, say, I don't know, the Washington, uh, tra Washington D.C. transportation system. And I mean, what <laughs> right. a The mess. smartest architects and designers in the world, you know, yep. there's still tons of problems. 
lives. Yeah. And, you know, there's so you could say that there's probably humans have diseases and so forth. So whatever. Um, nothing's perfect. But um, complex systems don't need a central planner. That's proven by nature. Yeah, I would say. Absolutely. And in fact, a lot of times stuff works out, works itself out better <laughs> and reaches an equilibrium without a central planner. So anyway, um, Michio Kaku might beg to differ. So. Michio Kaku believes that he has found evidence for God in his work. Kaku is a well-respected scientist who helped pioneer string theory of the universe, the idea that the universe is formed by many different dimensions of space and time. String theory is very complex and requires a significant background in physics to explain, but it is favored by many scientists because it succinctly answers many of the questions they have about the universe. Still, it doesn't provide a complete satisfying equation for why the universe is as it is. Take the prayer trivia quiz now. (laughs) That's right in the middle of the article. Dropped right in there. Perfect. The problem with physics, they say, is that laws which explain the universe work as it Laws which explain why the universe works as it does on a macro level do not apply at the micro level. Einstein's physics and quantum physics have a gap between their explanations that scientists cannot yet explain. And this is the grand unified theory, right, that they that they have yet to come up with. Yeah, this is their TOE that they're trying to come up with. Yeah. For example, and that would be theory of everything. Right. For example, why is it that tiny quantum particles can pop into and out of existence from nothing? Now, I'm a little skeptical of that statement. I admit I'm not a physicist. I always loved biology and chemistry way more than I liked physics, but Mm -hmm. chemistry involves physics and so does biology. But, you know, quantum physics, not really my thing. (laughs) However, when they say particles can pop in and out of existence from nothing, I'm highly skeptical of that. I don't know that that's true. Yeah, I know what they're they're talking about with, with various quanta, that it does that. But, I mean, a good rule of thumb is that the instant anybody says the word quantum, quantum physics, physics... and says it's too complicated to explain, know, so just trust me. Yeah, that's a red flag. Up. Yeah, big time. I mean, get them <laughs> up alert. there. Red alert. Captain Picard to the bridge, because, you know, you're probably going to be dealing with some bullshit. Uh, but granted, this is coming from Michio Kaku, who, I mean... You know, there's a lot of his contemporaries disagree with him in some pretty serious areas. So yeah. intelligent uh, people can disagree. Yeah. And, so uh, having yeah. healthy skepticism around, you know, some of these claims is, is certainly a good thing. Yeah. And there's more like verbal red flags in this article. We'll come across them here in a moment. Um, whilst working on string theory, Kaku discovered what he sees as evidence that the universe was created by an intelligence rather than just merely formed by random forces. He suggests he can explain it by what he calls primitive sen- semi radius tachyons. Now, right away, oh, there's a mosquito in the studio. I'm going to grab him. Oh, <laughs> shit. Oh, get the fuck out of here. You going to leave that in? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> well, working on string theory anyway. <laughs> um, well, so he brings up tachyons. He brings up, up primitive semi-radius tachyons. Now that right there is an attempt to confuse people with jargon. Yeah, because tachyons are nobody knows what that is except for Star Trek. Well, right, but he, even then, well, that's the thing. Tachyons are really popular in science fiction, but they technically are still part of the you know they're still in the realm of science fiction. I mean, depending on how you define it, a tachyon is just. A, a particle that moves faster than light. That's the idea. Okay. But the thing is, is nothing moves faster than light. I mean, like, right. like light can, what they call redshift, but that's not moving faster than light. That's just happening to travel on a course that somehow takes it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, just so, bringing up tachyons, I mean, then there's other, there's another definition for tachyon that has to do with field, quantum fields, but um, that that's a problem in itself. This is all really tacky. Yeah. <laughs> it's tacky on. <laughs> um, so he says they're theoretical 
particles that unbind particles from one another. Right. Okay. So he says it straight up. It's theoretical. Yeah. Right. Theoretical. Exactly. So red flag number one. Without getting into the physics, red flag number two, uh, (laughs) or maybe we're on three at this point, Kaku concludes that we live in a Matrix-style universe created by an intelligence. But he can't be bothered to explain why that is in lay terms. No, like, right. If you can't explain it, don't expect me to believe it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> like, love I'm the old... sorry. I'm just not going to just trust you because you're a well respected scientist, right? Right. Yeah. I love you have the to old. Convince me. Yeah. I love the old Einstein saying, you know, if you can't explain it to an eight year old or something like that, you know, you don't understand it. Right. Uh, not saying that Michio couldn't, perhaps, but I mean, it is important to lay out that, that tachyons is not widely accepted science yet. I have concluded that we are in a world made by rules created by an intelligence, he said. Believe me, everything that we call... Believe me, that's another red flag, (laughs) red flag number four or five. Believe me, everything that we call chance today won't make sense anymore. To me, it is clear that we exist in a plain... (laughs) P-L-A-I-N. Oh, no, in a plan. I'm sorry. I don't have my glasses on. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) To me, it is clear that we exist in a plan which is governed by rules that were created, shaped by universal intelligence and not by chance. So does this mean Kaku now believes in God? Yes and no, says the Catholic online. (laughs) Yes and no. Which is it? Is it yes or no? Now, nowhere does he endorse a... Well, Schrodinger's cat. He he believes in both. Oh, (laughs) that's right. Convenient. Nowhere does he endorse a particular religious philosophy. Instead, he may be referring to Spinoza's God, a sort of deification of the laws of the universe themselves. Einstein came to a similar conclusion. What do you think about that, Brian? Yeah, I know there's people who think that way. Carl Sagan also kind of... Well, he didn't really say, like, the laws of the universe are God. He said the laws of the universe were created by an intelligence. Yeah, he's effectively saying, like, that there there was a centralized Yeah, planner. they were centrally planned. Like, there was, there was a and designer. I, a lot of brilliant people don't get the beautiful anarchy concept. You know, they don't get mm-hmm. that things can come to a spontaneous order, if you will, by without a central planner. Look, just look at the amount of incredibly intelligent scientists and uh, um, other, like, even famous atheists who essentially worship the god of the state. Yeah. And believe that central planning can accomplish anything when the evidence suggests otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. You I mean, nom- you know, economies have been attempted to be centrally planned, fail, you know. Right. <laughs> um, people get food by um, a completely not centrally controlled, you know, network of coverage with grocery stores and yeah. farms and other stuff or grow their own food. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we don't need a central planner to get food to us, which is one of the most important and essential things. I would argue that central planning is always a short-term solution. Yeah, I don't even know if it works in the short term. I mean, there's nobody telling you, there's no like central matchmaking authority that tells you who to date or marry. You know what I mean? There's no central matchmaking, there's no central agency that tells you what your best career is. You choose that yourself, right? Yeah. We don't need a top-down director on everything, and it is possible for organized systems to evolve spontaneously. Yeah, absolutely. So I think what he's really trying to do here is, I don't know if he's trying to like kind of debunk dark matter because he's kind of tossing in this, what is it, half radius tachyon or whatever. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. What is dark matter? Well, dark matter is is a another kind of patchwork uh, solution within science to how do you explain, you know, 
everything that exists within, you know, in between, uh, you know, the planets and the stars and all the stuff. And, and why doesn't gravity just, just suck everything in when everything's expanding? Um, you know, one of their, their solutions that they run for is dark matter, which I don't necessarily consider, you know, I, I consider that as, uh, theoretical as, as tachyons are. Um, it's not like something matter to totally that buy. you can't observe that there's no, you can't detect. Well, that or... that's the idea is that you can't really see it, even though they say you, you can detect it anyway, that, that, that gets into very strange places. Um, but really what he's, he's saying here in, and he's talked about in some other articles is that he's buying into this whole simulation hypothesis. Uh, have you heard about this? What the idea, like what Plato came up with, the brain in the jar? Yeah, brain in the vat, right. It's the idea that we're living in a simulation, like yeah. a computer simulation. Uh, and some people say it's simulations all the way down. I mean, do you have any thoughts on that? Because that, I think that's really what he's coming down to, is that he thinks it's all within a simulation. See, whenever we talk about um, high-level physics, or whenever we talk about, um, is it really all just a computer simulation? Mm -hmm. Like, those are questions that the answer doesn't affect my life, quite frankly, at all. Right. And so I just feel kind of bored by them. Yeah. Like, it's not that interesting to me to think, well, are we living in a computer simulation? So what if we are? It's not going to change anything about how I act. I'm not going to suddenly start walking off a cliff and expecting to keep going and not fall off. You know, I'm not going <laughs> to. Yeah. I'm not going to change how I live my life, whether it's real or whether it's in a computer simulation and and how would we be able to prove it like you don't even there's no way to even answer that question well but there's that's that's it that's the actual rub i think with the whole problem is that simulation the simulation hypothesis is terrible science and you don't have to be a physicist to understand you just you know you accept okay how does scientific method work how does science work things have to be falsifiable and if something is unfalsifiable that's bad science and so well, and, it's outside of the realm of scientific questions, right? It's just right. like faith, right? Yeah, it does. It turns into uh, like it would have to turn into almost an article of faith. And so that's the problem for me personally with the simulation hypothesis is that it's unfalsifiable. So wh what are you going to do talking about it? You know, you know what I mean? Like what's going to happen? And and I don't you know, there's also like whether there's dark matter or um tachyon particles or schrodinger's cat or any of that stuff it doesn't matter to like how i live you know what i'm i'm saying like well okay biochemistry that affects my life it does because if i understand like metabolism that might affect what i eat for instance and that's a huge part of life right that might affect uh what i how much i exercise to avoid different diseases or whatever of what exercises i choose to do like that has actual tangible effects to me chemistry if i understand chemistry i can um choose like what chemicals i put on my skin or you know what i eat or again so those have effects on my life physics i have a really hard time seeing the connection you know yeah. and, unless it's like really low level the the kind of like kinetics i guess type physics where it's like Okay, well, like fluid goes through a, a vessel with a large diameter, like the cube faster of a small diameter. So like if you dilate your blood vessels, you're less likely to have strokes and stuff like that. And your blood, your blood pressure will go down like that kind of physics. Okay, sure. But like string theory, it's it's losing me and I feel really bored by it. <laughs> well, I think I yeah, I, I get what you're saying. But like, I don't know. I, I, I don't I don't totally agree that. That just, I mean, when it's something that's 
unfalsifiable, I agree. Forget about it. Like, you know, why even go down that road? Because you're not even going to be using it as far as science goes. I mean, if you're a person that likes to just spend their time thinking about that sort of thing, go ahead. Um, But I mean, you know, some of the like higher, you know, higher end physics. I mean, that's I think there's there's benefits that you don't recognize that 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 come with that. Like space travel. Yeah. Hell yeah. But, But we're not space traveling yet. I'm no, not, I know. I'm not space traveling yet. I'm still trying to figure out how to like navigate Earth. You know? Well, sure, but like I, I want to do out that. Of New Hampshire lately, yeah, but I want to do that. The solar system. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe, but it's like there's way more other pressing concerns for me anyway. Uh, my head's not in the clouds in that sense. Uh, I can appreciate that, but sometimes I think the only way any humans are actually going to be able to explore the human condition is by getting the hell away from this planet. Well, I'll tell you, when I hear this music come on in Sex and Science Hour, sometimes I feel like I'm in a video game, don't right you? Right on. <laughs> We're in a simulation right now. <laughs> we sure are. I just can't disprove it. There's more coming up here on Sex and Science Hour. Hey, we're back. Wow, that was quick. So, Brian, here's a real-life practical concern. This is not pie in the sky at all. All right. People cannot wait. Oh, this is clever. People cannot wait. All right, wait, hold on, hold on. First off, I've had pie in the sky, okay, and it was great. That was a good time. What kind of pie was it? You know. Mile High Club. Apple pie? That sort of thing. Warm apple pie. Cherry (laughs) pie. Cherry pie works. Love that song. Go Warren. Miss you, Janie Lane. Well, you're just, now you're just bragging. That's just obnoxious. (laughs) Shut up. Nobody cares. I'm just saying that anytime somebody says to me, Good for you. Congratulations. When somebody says to me, I'm being pie in the sky, that's usually my response is that, well, I've had pie in the sky. Thank you. And anyway. (laughs) People cannot wait to pay $800 for a laundry folding robot. Now, I I would believe a headline like people can't wait to pay $800 for a robot that gives you a blowjob? No, 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 that's something. <laughs> or they can't wait to pay $50 for a vibrator uh, that gives you a <laughs> a, a little rub one out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh no, $800 for a laundry folding robot. This is from uh, qz.com and the the sub headline was you got to know when to fold them. <laughs> that was what I was saying. It was cute. <laughs> I thought that's funny. That is, that's good. This is by Mark Bain. For every problem, he says, someone is trying to sell a solution, and oh, how true that is. No matter, no matter is too trivial to be monetized, even folding laundry. <laughs> Brian, do you have any comment on that? Uh, it's they're they're he's hitting got, the nail on the head. He's got you hooked already. Yeah, they're they're really like <laughs> it, it's amazing the amount of problems that get invented so that solutions can get created. Oh yeah, yeah. Foldy Mate, a California-based startup. At least they didn't call it like Foldly or, or like iFold, Laundrily or iFold. Yeah, that's, that would have yeah, been terrible. Uh, Foldy Mate, a California-based startup. No, no, Fold.io. That's what it would be. <laughs> Yeah. If I have to see Jesus. one more dot IO, I'm These going- people need to hire you for their marketing team. I know. It's not too late. They're just start they're just a startup. So it Foldy Mate, if you're listening to us, it's not too late to hire on Brian. He'll come up with good names like Foldly and Foldly.io and Yep. I can do that. I can and I can remove all of our good I'm ones, telling you, but- I can I am so good at what I do, I know how to remove vowels from words. <laughs> I can make that happen. So it would be like F L D ly.io right that's genius i know genius
Twenty million dollar. I was just going to say seed round. Yeah, a. seed round. Here we go. Round A. That's right. Uh, Foldy Mate, a California-based startup, plans to sell a robot costing between seven hundred and eight hundred fifty dollars, whose primary purpose is to fold your freshly laundered shirts and pants twice as fast as you could do it yourself. Then it can also de-wrinkle them with steam and perfume them as it goes. It's a pricey answer to a routine chore, yet folding laundry is evidently so odious that the Foldy Mate is attracting serious attention, the Wall Street Journal reported. And then they have their little Kickstarter video here. Boy, I wish I had uh, wish I had gotten uh, in on that for the voiceover. They probably yeah. had someone else do it. but It is just in Kickstarter, <laughs> right? Like that That's the gist that I understood about I this. I believe so, yeah. yeah. It's not, they don't even have, really have the price point set yet. It's it says target price is between seven hundred to eight fifty, um, so they don't even know what they're doing yet. But anyway, um, you know, I actually voiced this video for a Kickstarter that became really popular, and about four or five people who were just my friends and didn't know that I did this video, they came across this this popular Kickstarter, and they said, "Is that your voice?" <laughs> and it was it was the Noria, which is like a smart air conditioner. It's actually really cool. It's very small compared to other air conditioners. Mm-hmm. You can control it through an app, and um, it fits under your bed. It folds up. Wow! Yeah, yeah, pretty cool. So Fair. I don't I don't know if they're still taking pre orders, but I've I kind of wanted one. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, I voiced that, but <laughs> I didn't voice the Foldy Mate video. Maybe next time. The, co- <laughs> the company, which includes several engineers with robotics experience, says next year it will take pre-orders. Oh, so they're not taking pre-orders till next year. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. Next year it will take pre-orders, but people are already like lining up at the door to buy these things. Which blows my mind, but okay. And it expects the first units to ship in 2018. About 50,000 people as of this writing have registered to be notified when pre-orders begin, though that doesn't offer a clear indication of how many will actually purchase it. A commercial version has been available since 2014, according to The Telegraph. The UK newspaper polled readers on whether they would pay £600 to never fold laundry again. Currently, 84% of residents selected the response, shut up and take my money. <laughs> Just 16% went with, what a ridiculous waste. I Yeah, only 16%? Well, you know, online polls are not scientific in any way. But yeah, yeah, um, a lot of people, it seems, uh, want this. Now, I could really see it making sense if you own, like, you know, those stores, like at the mall, even though malls are kind of a dying breed. But, Mm -hmm. like, whenever I used to go into... Like an Aeropastel or something like that. I never went in Aeropastel, but I did go in, like, Express and the Gap. Yeah, yeah. Whenever I would go into those stores, there would be people folding T-shirts right. and folding pants, and they, they would just look so bored and, and like just sick of life. They'd look so dejected folding up those clothes, and I would think, there's got to be a better way. And then, you know, sure enough, 20 years later, there's robots that can do that for you. Yeah. So I could see if you had a retail store, it would make a lot of sense. If you had a laundromat, it would make sense. Yep. But for somebody's home, eh. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I don't get it. I mean, depends on how much you value your money relative well, to your time, I guess. So this is the thing: a lot of the, a lot of startups, a lot of businesses. I mean, really revolve around. And this is so funny. And I'm probably going to get take get some heat for saying this, but whatever. You know, why not shock the people? Uh, it revolves around like very heteronormative and very you know uh, and family oriented uh, uh, situations. Mm, yeah. So like, if you have you know, I grew up in a family of uh, you know. Uh, three brothers and a sister uh, and and me, you know, five kids. Yeah. I could see where maybe my mother would have been interested in having one of these damn things. 
Um, but that, but that's kind of the odd thing. I think that's why to so many, like all of this looks so nuts. It's like, who lives like that anymore? Or, you know, or who has that many kids or, I mean, people do, and I'm not <laughs> saying, look, folks, you do what you want to do. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But like, when you look at these supposed solutions to all of these problems, what problems are they really trying to solve? There's too many clothes in the house. Like, like what, what's the actual issue here? And yeah, I, I guess you're right. Like, what I see nowadays is this sort of um, division, I guess you could say, like where on one hand you have people that are like, fuck this, I'm going to be a full time mom and I can choose to and I'm going to feed my kids organic food. And I'm going to have a vegetable garden. I'm use cloth diapers and right. I'm going to stay home and <laughs> not earn any like not go to work outside the home like that mom would probably want one of these machines, but she probably can't afford it. You know what right. I mean? Um, <laughs> whereas like the busy professional that's like, yeah, I don't have any kids, but I'm never home because I'm always at work and I work at like a high powered law firm or something. Yeah. They probably take their clothes, just drop them off at the dry cleaner or the laundromat and have them folded for them. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You're already paying for that. Yeah. I mean, I don't think people, you know, I love there's, there's... So I'm kind of struggling to see who this is for. That's right. what I'm saying. Right. Absolutely. And I agree. Like a lot of these ideas, when you think about them being used in like an enterprise space or, or a professional space, it makes tons of sense instantaneously. Like Google Glass. Great idea for mechanics and in various enterprise surgeons, uh, situations, yeah. and surgeons, all that. Awesome. In the real world? Bullshit. Uh, you know, but, but I, you know, there's kind of a, I don't know if it's apocryphal or not, uh, but there's a great story about Steve Jobs where he and his wife, they were going out to buy a sofa. They just got a new house or whatever. Mm -hmm. And this is the first question they asked when they went to go buy the sofa. Not, okay, what color do we want? Not what size do we need? That wasn't the first question they asked. The first question they asked was, why do we need a sofa? What does a sofa do? Mm, indeed. How, These, how philosophical. I love it. <laughs> well, it's great because it's getting at the core of what problem is this actually solving? Mm -hmm. Like what problem? And, and it makes sense that an engineer or at least somebody that's been in engineering rooms for a while would understand that or, you know, would, would, would think that way. Um, but that's that's kind of my point is that what problem is this actually solving? And I, you know, I wonder, I mean, me, I don't have a lot of clothes. I'm not saying there's anything wrong if people do have a lot of clothes, but I mean, I, you know, my wardrobe is very simple. Everything's black. And, you know, I might have, I might have a whopping total of 30 items of clothes at best. Uh, and so, you know, one of these things is not practical for that sort of thing. Um, and so, yeah, you just got to ask, like, why do you want this? Why are you folding so many clothes? Why do you well, have Brian, so many clothes? You, okay. You can brag all you want about how bragging. minimal your closet no, is. No, no, it's not a boast. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good. But you do, you do my laundry and you fold yes, my laundry. <laughs> and I enjoy doing it. It's actually a very peaceful action. I kind of like, you know, cause mm -hmm. I mean, there, there's, there's a certain, there's a certain, uh, a joy, almost a meditation to doing something that's somewhat monotonous. I don't look at, that's the other thing too. I don't look at monotonous tasks as being like this terrible thing all the time. Sometimes I look at them as an opportunity to, you know, really like let my mind go elsewhere while my body's doing, you know, very, very simple tasks. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And this thing can't do everything. I mean, it can't put it back in your closet where you want it to go. It can't now, organize them. That, that's something. That is something I'd buy. <laughs> <laughs> something that would you actually... You would need like a Rosie the Robot from the, uh, the uh, Jetsons. <laughs> yeah, sell me a closet that organizes everything. I'm there. <laughs> or just like a virtual assistant, right? Like some tasks, you know... There's not, it's not bad to have a human do it, especially if you're paying them. If you want to save time, if you have more, more money than time, pay, 
pay a person to do it. Pay a 12-year-old to do it. Have your kids be involved. If Child you're... labor. <laughs> Stephanie, <laughs> I am That's what shocked. people used to do, right? Am I sounding like a total like conservative? <laughs> I really don't mean to. Now, some people would say that this is like a miracle of capitalism and that, oh, isn't it? Isn't the free market wonderful that it just frees up people's time to, to do things with leisure time that they wouldn't have been able to do before? Yeah. Like Burger King, it's so great i love their fr- it's cheap meat it's so nutritious so anyway i'm sorry no, can i call bs on that i i know i know you're being well, facetious. i'm putting forward the argument i'm not saying i think that no, but right. i'm saying some people would say that about this machine tell me why you think that's so wrong. here's the problem with all of this is that i we've been as as a society we've been getting told this for a hundred years that, oh, see, now you have the washing machine. You don't have to spend all day washing clothes. Now you have the dishwasher. You don't have to spend all day washing dishes and all that yeah, stuff. Now you but just... I don't know anybody to, uh, filling in their time with all these incredibly leisurely you know, activities and all that stuff. People seem just as busy as they've always been. Yeah, because they just take that free time and then they just put it, they just pour it into checking their email every 30 seconds. Right. And working twenty two hours a day. Yeah, I think I think that idea that it's going to save you time that is that is marketing uh, uh, bullshit. It, it's it's marketing. Like, I mean, with all these things, I think there is the potential to free up time, but you have to be mindful and you have to actually make sure you don't take that free time and then just immediately funnel it into something else that is a waste of time. Right. Well, you know that, what yeah, I mean. Yeah. There's a. Po- I think there is a point where efficiency can become a waste of time. Becoming so efficient, spending so much time on efficiency that you end up wasting more time than if you didn't go through the efficient process. I, I, there might be a negative return on, on efficiency. Well, that's if you're not mindful, like I just said. Right. You know, if yes. you just spend your, if you spend all your free time checking Facebook, does it really feel do you feel freer? Do you feel a greater sense of freedom in your life? And only you can answer that question. Right. right. But what I see is most people using their extra free, quote, leisure time to not do activities that I would feel much freer and happier doing. (laughs) Damn right. Okay, so even though some people might find it superfluous, says this article, for families, it could make the difference between wasting an entire day doing laundry and actually going to go outside and play with their children, Foldymate said in a statement. So they're taking the (laughs) Jeffrey Tucker angle. (laughs) New New technology is seldom embraced right away, and there are always critics who deem it unnecessary. At one point, people thought dishwashers, washers and dryers were all too expensive. Yet today, they're standard home appliances. So maybe the Foldy might be a standard thing. Yeah, have the washer the dryer and the foldy the lazy susan (laughs) (laughs) doesn't exist anymore (laughs) these things don't not everything becomes a a lazy susan we have a lazy susan yeah where's the lazy susan well she's in the closet no i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) it's the it's that corner cabinet with the pots and pans and then you just you push it around in a circle and you can get that's that's a that's what a lazy what's the thing that goes that goes up and down between the floors I thought that's that, oh um fuck what is that I can't that's, think of it's it. not a lazy right, that's Susan. not a lazy this Susan lazy Susan is like a is like a shelf that's circular and can spin around in a circle so you can easily reach items at the back all right we've got a lazy Susan <laughs> yes but we don't have a um I know it's right on the tip of my tongue yeah it's one of those yeah I know what you mean like yeah, a laundry but, chute or like a basket like a ele- little elevator for right. clothes right so many of these things don't exist anymore there's no I mean come on like you you bring up two examples of a success it's like saying oh yeah well Facebook did well so I'm gonna make a new social network are you fucking kidding me well it <laughs> I have to say for one thing I can give this technology is at least it doesn't connect to the internet and 
you can control it with an app. All right. You know what? That's a buy. That's its one if redeeming it's, If it's quality. a buy or sell, this is a buy. <laughs> I, I apologize for everything I said previously. Uh, Hooray also, for non-internet interconnected technology. <laughs> there's also the Laundroid. Laundroid? I like that one. What does that do? <laughs> it's the size of the refrigerator. You just dump your clothes into it and it folds them. But socks give it trouble, they say. But I like their name better. I yeah, like that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Foldy mate. Anyway, um, they can hire you too. Anyway, um, man sticks half of his face well, into I, a particle accelerator and doesn't get wrinkles. <laughs> Before we get on that, yeah. can I just, I just want to lay out, you know, after doing laundry for so long, uh, I, I, I came to a realization that really the only way you can, hit, you can really be done with laundry is you're, you have to do it naked. I'm just saying. <laughs> Otherwise, not all the clothes are ever done. So I mean, you need to do it naked. Technically, that's totally true. Yeah. Damn right. Okay. <laughs> We'll have to talk about this particle. So, so from clothes with no wrinkles to a face with no wrinkles. <laughs> <laughs> That's my segue here. <laughs> this is what happens when you stick your head into a particle accelerator. All right. All right. All right. T tell me all about the face, love. Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> so you actually found this piece of show prep here. Um, the face. The face. Yes. The face. <laughs> the face. Inside joke. <laughs> They're getting too numerous. My face has no wrinkles. No, your face, My face is, is soft and beautiful it is so forever. Soft. That's right. All right. So and tell I don't me even about need this. Need Botox from a particle beam. So <laughs> this is by Jesus Diaz from Gizmodo. Man's half face is forever young after getting hit by a particle beam, and then they've got a picture of him that is. It literally has some red arrows, kind of like the whole conspiracy, like when you see like a JFK assassination conspiracy or like video a or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it has some red arrows there, and they're showing a picture of his face, and they're showing one, the, the I guess it would be his right side has wrinkles, and his left side has, they say, no wrinkles. However, he's turned about three quarters to his left, so most of what you see is the, quote, wrinkly right face, and it's very hard to see the so-called unwrinkled left face. Now, I will say that... His forehead definitely looks more wrinkled on the right and totally smooth on the left. Right. The rest of his face, eh, I'm really not seeing much of a difference. He's still got the smile lines around his mouth and his nose. Um, and it's just hard to see the left side of his face. So okay. it's a terrible photo to to show this off. Right. But this is coming from Gizmodo. This isn't coming from Catholic.org. That's Well, it's coming from Gizmodo, but that's not much better. Eh, eh, there, yeah. There's a lot of comments saying... Some nasty things about the yeah. Anyway, okay. um, so <laughs> so what happened to this guy's face? What's... So okay, here's the article from from Jesus himself. Forget about Botox or plastic surgery. If your face gets hit by a high energy particle beam and you survive the event, your face will stay forever young, or at least half of your face. This is what happened to physicist Antonoli Petrovich Bergowski. Bergorski. Nice. Bugorski. <laughs> Okay, Mr. Bigorsky. The only person ever to put his head in an active particle accelerator. It happened to him 19 years ago at the Institute for High Energy Physics in Protvino, Russia. Oh, see, that's where all these crazy experiments happen, right? <laughs> when he stuck his head in the synchrotron U70 particle accelerator, he got hit by a particle beam that could have killed him. Instead, he survived, and half his face stayed in the same state as it was 19 years ago. 
You can see in the photo that, well, you can't see it very well, but you can see in the photo that while half of the face left kept getting older and wrinkly, one of the right, the one of the right stayed exactly the same. Now, I said it reversed before. I don't know if they flipped that image or if they, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, it might have been a mirror image. Um, so when he stuck his head in this particle accelerator by accident, this was actually... In the Soviet Union. This was right. not really Russia yet. Uh, <laughs> on July 13th, 1978, Brigorsky was checking a malfunctioning piece of equipment. Isn't that how it always starts? Yes. It's how it works on Star Trek, too. <laughs> As he was leaning over the piece of equipment, he stuck his head through the part of the accelerator that the proton beam was running through. He reported seeing a flash that was brighter than a thousand suns. And that's a quote. But he didn't feel any pain when this happened. The beam itself measured 2,000 grays. Now, let me just put that in perspective. When someone has cancer and they get radiation, they often get a dose that's around 50 or 60 grays. Mm -hmm. So he got about 400 times the dose, of, and that's usually spread out over several months. Yeesh. So he got about 400 times that in a, in all in one bolus dose. Cue the uh, Bill Bixby Incredible Hulk music. Yeah, Go. exactly. He got bit by a spider, too. And he <laughs> <laughs> um, as it, the beam itself measured 2,000 gray as it entered Bogorsky's skull and about 3,000 gray when it exited the other side. So it got magnified maybe by his brain or something. A gray is an SI unit of energy absorbed from ionizing radiation. One gray is equal to the absorption of one joule of radiation energy by one kilogram of matter. For example, where this is commonly used in x-rays. For reference, absorption of over five grays at any time usually leads to death within 14 days. Damn. However, no one before had ever experienced radiation in the form of a proton beam moving at about the speed of light. Which at that's the point of a particle accelerator is to right. try and get particles. It's like electric uh, electromagnetic field, right? Yeah. That, that is pushing stuff close to the speed of light. Yeah, and then yeah. they crash them into each other and see what they find, right? Right. It's all contained. Yeah. <laughs> As you can see from the picture, the beam entered the back of Bogorsky's head and came out his nose. <laughs> Shortly after this happened, Bogorsky's left half of his face swelled up beyond recognition. He was taken to the hospital and studied, and this was something they'd never seen before, so they closely monitored him thereafter, fully expecting him to die within a few days at most. Although the skin on part of his face and the back of his head where the beam hit peeled off over the next few days, and the beam had burned through his skull and brain tissue, Bogorsky did not die, and actually came through all of it surprisingly well. Despite the beam going through his brain, his intellectual capacity remained the same as before. The few negative health drawbacks he did experience were not life-threatening either. He lost hearing in his left ear and experienced an unpleasant noise in that ear from then on. The left half of his face slowly became paralyzed over the course of the next two years. And it also had this Botox, and he also had seizures. And it also had this Botox-like effect. Yeah, so bottom line, this is not a solution for, like, no. looking young. No, he got Botox by accident, the poor guy. Yeah. This is Sex and Science Hour. I gotta go find... Don't, don't we have a particle accelerator downstairs? No, no, no. Oh. I Would you ever get Botox? I don't think I could. You no. know, there's something to be said. Like, the way I feel about it now, and I'm only 32, okay, mm -hmm. so... And, you know, I, sure, I noticed myself looking older than I did of pictures of myself when I was 21, sure. Um, 
you know, I have little things. I have like a few gray hairs, I guess. I might maybe have some... I know I said my face is soft and wrinkle-free, but I maybe have the beginning of some wrinkles. And no. it's harder to stay in good shape. You know, I can't eat as much as I did when I was younger. But, you know, the way I look at it is like getting older, at least right now, before we cure aging, is a part of being human, right? It's a human sure. experience. and. It's okay, right? Like nothing stays the same forever. Yeah, right. I, I, right. I don't have any your body. Yeah, uh, I, not that I want to be debilitated or anything, but like a few wrinkles. Yeah, what's the big deal? Right. You know. No, I, I agree. <laughs> and with as you. you get older, you get more life experience, and your appearance can telegraph that to other people that you you have more life experience. Yeah, right? absolutely. What's the big deal? Anyway, so quote me on that in 20 years when I'm thinking about getting Botox and <laughs> stuff like that. I mean, it'd be great to live forever, you know, and, and I, yes, I think we're, we're getting on target towards something along those lines, hopefully here. But um, but yeah, I, I mean, so what? You know, you, you get older. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, a, a lot of times, too, like when people get cosmetic surgery, it's sad because sometimes they can never get to a point where they're really happy. Right. You know, they always need more or want more. And they think, well, once I get this, then I'll be happy. Yeah. Or then I'll look perfect. And the reality is self-acceptance, you know, is an inside job. It says doesn't matter what's on the outside. Anyway, yeah, this is <laughs> this is the whole thing. I'm really not judging people who want to modify their body. You no, can. look how you want to look. There's nothing wrong with that either. It's just that I've seen it happen a lot where people are chasing this this figment of a perfect appearance, you mm -hmm. know, and they can never quite actually get to it. And they're deferring happiness when they could be happy ne right now. You know, right. they don't have to wait to be happy, but they think they do anyway. Um, and, and society puts so many like screwed up beauty standards on us, lots especially women, you yep. know, lots of pressure, especially so much on women. impossible standards to look young and beautiful forever. Sure. Beautiful according to society. So anyway, um, speaking of looking beautiful and having cosmetic surgery, this is not exactly a cosmetic surgery, but there's my, maybe elements of that in there that we'll talk about. Gizmodo, again, surgeons perform the first successful penis transplant in the United States. Penis transplant? Mm-hmm. George Dvorsky wrote this. Okay. And it shows a picture of the patient, I guess, like just his, his head. He's lying in a hospital bed and he's giving the thumbs up. Okay, so so wait, so did they transplant a penis from a guy onto another guy? Yes, they transplanted okay. a penis from a deceased man onto a living deceased. man who had penile cancer and had to have his penis amputated. Wow. Yes, which that sucks. I mean, ouch, you know. Um, then again, it's amazing to read, like, yeah, this is a medical advance. This hasn't been done before. They've tried to do it, but it's just, it's difficult because the penis is kind of a mushy, spongy tissue, and it's hard to line up all the anatomical structures that could lead to functions like peeing. You know, it's yeah. hard to line up that urethra. It's in the middle of a bunch of spongy tissue, and it's just difficult. So it takes a lot, a lot of surgeons, and then you have to have a donor, and you, you're worried about rejection with any kind of transplant. So... It was a challenge for several medical reasons, but it was finally done. The thing is, yes, it sucks for this guy that he had penile cancer and he had to get his penis amputated. Um, but the the way this is being heralded is like, oh, it's such a critical part of their self-identity and manhood. That's what these doctors say in the, in right. the article. 
what about all the millions of women who lose, quote, critical parts of their woman? How many hysterectomies are performed all the time? A lot of them unnecessary. Yeah. How many um, mastectomies are performed all the time? Yeah. Breast cancer is thousands of times more common than penis cancer. Penis cancer is incredibly rare. Yeah, I I agree. Like, like the incentives, you know, especially around genitalia uh, in science and in medical fields is just way off. You know, like like it's way off base. Yeah. Uh, and especially like the amount of, you know, things. To, that, Viagra, case in point. I mean, right. <laughs> that was like that was heralded as like the biggest godsend. It was like this uh, was incredible advance. And yeah. And yeah. <laughs> In medical technology to have a pill that makes men get a boner. You know, Viagra was originally developed as a blood pressure medication, but they found as a right. side effect, it makes you get a stiffy. Right. Yeah. You get a stuffy <laughs> nose, too. Yeah. It dilates your blood vessels. <laughs> yeah. And they give it to horses now for uh, horse racing. It's kind of cruel. Like They give horses all these drugs. That was the whole Preakness scandal. There was like two horses that died recently at the Preakness. And they pumped these horses up with different drugs, including Viagra, which is a vasodilator. Wow. To make them run faster. Yeah. I mean, I can like I can understand. Like, I'll, I'll admit my penis is to me a huge part of my human experience. It's a huge part of my identity in a, in, in a way. But every body part is important to your identity. Absolutely. I, think. I mean, would, does anybody want to lose any body part? Nope. It's there's right. just so much of a focus on on dicks, you know, uh, and not to say before you call me a raging feminist or whatever, or say <laughs> that I hate men, which none of which is actually true. Uh, I, I can, don't hate yeah. men. You can vouch for that. Yes. Um, why not a foreskin transplant? Right. They're focused on doing this this penis transplant and they, they're heralding it as a medical advance. How many men are out there who have had horrible traumatic circumcisions that affected their lives for the rest of their lives? Right. Nobody's offering them a chance. A foreskin reconstruction could be probably a very simple surgery. Yeah, well, you could probably grow a foreskin from your own skin fibroblasts. Take a sample from your arm skin for, right. from some other skin, maybe your finger or something and grow it into a, a around a scaffold. You can use a beef foreskin or whatever. Mm -hmm. There's a company that was uh, doing this that we covered a couple of years ago, I think, on season one of Sex and Science Hour. There is a company trying to develop that technology. But the thing is, it's it's becomes like a political issue. Yeah. You know, because nobody wants to admit that, oh, all these mothers and doctors and nurses participated in this very barbaric thing that is completely there's no medical reason. There's no good medical reasons for it. Right. Um, it's largely a superstitious practice and people do it because it was done to them or it was done to their dads or their husbands or it was a tra it's a tradition that yeah. no longer has a purpose. It's not improving anyone's health. It's traumatizing young men. And babies, when they first come into the world, imagine getting a surgery done with usually no anesthesia, being strapped to a board, not knowing what the fuck is going on, just being born. And somebody does this this surgery on you and some boys bleed. It's, a lot of them go into shock. I mean, it's terrible. There's a lot of complications that can come with circumcision. But yet nobody is offering foreskin reconstruction surgery for this common traumatic genital injury that a lot of men have right well that's that's where i see this going is not not necessarily to, to solve you know penile cancer of any kind this is going to end up becoming a vanity uh industry i think uh where that sort of thing might happen i'm not saying i i understand your point and and, and it's well well taken that 
you know, what is with all this concentration on the penis and all that. Right. Um, I, I really get that, but I think that's, that's the future of where this is going to go is that there's going to be people that are, they're going to want a 12 inch cock and <laughs> you know, there's going to be guys. Pumps and, are not good enough anymore. Right. And then I don't gonna, know if they're going to be able to afford a 12 inch cock because honestly, this surgery cost like $75,000. <laughs> Well, but well, that's the, but the kind of people that would want to do that, I think. But it starts that way, and through the miracle of capitalism, it, it will get cheaper for the masses, right? Well, no, I, <laughs> no, really, like the people that have that level of vanity are usually rich assholes. So, like they're 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 the kind of people that are going to want to do that. Um, you, you know, so I, I don't I don't think that that's I mean, and how, you know, how would John Wayne Bobbitt feel? Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he would have loved this. You yeah, know, that's true. I mean, and, I and especially. Did he, does his, did his penis get reattached? Yeah, he got reattached, yeah. but that was, that wasn't a transplant, but he yeah. got reattached. He ended up making a couple porns. What was that one? Oh, uh, his God. first one was, um, uh, oh yeah. Uncut. <laughs> the other, wow. he made two of them. I think the other one was like Franken penis or something. And this is back in like so 96, they all fetishized right? what happened to him. Yeah. I mean, he turned it into a joke, which is kind of strange, wow. but. Well, I guess good for him if he can laugh at it but i don't know if i'd be having such a sense of humor if i were him well that's the thing i think he had to pump it like he yeah, yeah. you know it wasn't as like it wasn't damage. a perfect transplant of, of, of some kind but that well, wouldn't be a transplant it would be a reattachment or oh well sorry that, yeah that's what i meant was that it wasn't perfectly reattached right, yeah right. um so yeah so all right do you want to hear more about this sure um a 64-year-old man who lost his penis to cancer is the nation's first recipient of a penis transplant. The experimental procedure is poised to help thousands of men who've lost their genitalia due to disease, accident, or combat. Thomas Manning, a bank courier from Massachusetts, is the first man in the U.S. to receive a genitourinary reconstructive penile transplant. The 15-hour proceed 15 hours... Uh, that's longer than a heart transplant, I think, which involved a dozen surgeons and another 30 healthcare workers. It occurred May 8th and 9th at Mass General Hospital in Boston. He's currently recovering and doing well. The organ was received from a deceased donor. Um, normal blood flow has been restored uh, for the procedure. A surgical team led by reconstructive surgeon Dr. Curtis L. Satrulo grafted the complex microscopic vascular and neural structures of a donated penis onto Manning's matching structures. Normal blood flow has been restored. There's no signs of bleeding, rejection or infection. If all goes according to plan, no pressure or anything. Yeah, right. <laughs> If all goes according to plan, Manning should experience normal urination in a few weeks and sexual function in a few months. But no pressure. <laughs> um, and they say there was a failed uh, penile transplant that happened recently. There was a failed one in 2006 in China and a successful one in South Africa in 2014. And that guy later went on to have a kid. Wow. So, yeah, interesting stuff, huh? Yeah, I I mean, it like I guess I'm glad that it's possible. Um, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but, me too, but maybe yeah. uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I I just I get skeeved just thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be without Rodimus Prime. I mean, this is <laughs> You could delete that if you want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Now everybody uh, knows the name. How right. about this for the what could go wrong department, Brian? Okay. This could go in the smart dumb segment, actually. Um, you're going to love this. Remote controlled contraceptive microchip could launch by 2018. So like. <laughs> and this is from The Guardian. 
Who's it for? <laughs> guy, guy or gal? Oh, women, of course. Oh, of course. course. Well, you see this. Yeah. And that touches on your point. Like, like, or what we were talking about earlier is that like the amount of concentrate, like the way that science centers on different aspects of genitalia, like for, for women. Okay. How do we keep them from having babies for men? How do we keep them with their penis intact? You know, like, like how do yeah. you, how do you keep how your do baby we preserve maker? men's pleasure and right. how do we control women's fertility? And yeah. Pleasure? It's, it's a how do total we control double women's standard sexual power. Right. They have. Yeah. Yeah. So this is controlled by microchip. So I can imagine a whole lot of dads, that would just love this technology. Say, I can imagine a whole lot of eugenicists that would love this technology. Uh-huh. And I could imagine a whole lot of companies that would love this technology. What better excuse to implant a chip into every woman on the planet, especially unsuspecting women, maybe in Africa or wherever mm. they can, India, where they conduct clinical trials, where some people would love to control the fertility of those populations. Do-gooders, yeah. perhaps, or evil-doers. You take your pick, both. Um, anyway, let me read you this article from The Guardian. Sure. Developed by researchers at MIT, the digital pill implant could rev- revolutionize birth control, allowing women to switch hormones on and off at the touch of a button. Oh, don't they wish it was that simple? <laughs> now, as someone who's who's done some research on this, you know, I it's I have such mixed feelings about this because on one hand, yeah, more options are good. In the 1960s, Hormonal birth control revolutionized the sexual world for women. For the first time, they had something that they could do that would basically give them control over their fertility and allow them to plan when they had a family better. Right. Um, And give them more options than just don't have sex with men. Um, On the other hand, hormonal birth control has a very checkered history. The original testing, and this is actually true for most drugs because there's there's this sexist idea in medicine that female hormones mess up the results of pharmacokinetics. They just uh, they interfere. They're, they're, they're just a troublesome flaw. So um, they're they're a bug, not a feature. So all the pharmacokinetic studies of drugs, and before they pharmacokinetics is like how a drug is metabolized, how long it stays in your body, what whether it's excreted through your liver or kidneys or whatever. Um, the, the studies of all that is done usually in men. And that was the case for birth control pills, hormonal mm-hmm. birth control pills. They used to actually take um, pregnant uh, horses and isolate the hormones from their urine. And that was what got made into birth control pills. Wow. There was a there. There still is, I think, a, a a hormone replacement thing. That's another. That's another interesting field of, of so called hormone replacement. There is some drug called uh, Premarin. Premarin means pregnant mare urine. Yikes! <laughs> which contains estrogen, and they give it to women. So, and also. When birth control pills started out, they had, I think, 60 to 100 times the doses of estrogen and progesterone that are in the current ones. And even today, they're way higher than the biological uh, strength of the ho- of those hormones. Mm-hmm. And the problem is women are different, right? So women with different amounts of body fat, different sizes in their bodies, the birth control, the hormonal birth control options are standardized to work on the biggest women, right? And so if you're a tiny woman, you're getting way higher doses of hormones than you probably need to ensure that you that it suppresses your ovulation and you don't get pregnant. If you're a bigger woman, you might be getting you might not be getting enough for it to work. So they're kind of one size fits all. So and also um, women 
who take hormonal birth control, often they have just a hell of a time getting off of it. Mm-hmm. It can just wreak havoc and fuck up their their natural hormones that come from their ovaries. For a long time, they can have uh, the uh, I think it's the one of the hormones in maybe it's the progesterone, but one of the synthetic hormones in birth control pills depletes your body of magnesium. And magnesium is needed to help muscles relax, smooth muscle, like is in the uterus. And so what the effect that has is if you've been taking it for years, you're very magnesium deficient, you get horrible menstrual cramps when you finally start to get your period again, naturally. Sure. So that's a common side effect. There's a lot of other ones. It messes with your blood glucose. And um, you know, women can have horrible side effects from changing birth control pills, getting off them. The hormones stick or can stick around in your body for a really long time because they're stored in fat tissue. So they can take years to come out. Mm. I mean, it's kind of a frightening thing. So I, these are all things I wish I had known because <laughs> I did take hormonal birth control at one point in my life. Right. I would not recommend it. Yeah, absolutely. I would I'd, not recommend well, it. I, I mean, had some of these problems when I got off of it. Yeah, I think I said it last week I in the show. I mean, I, I think it's crazy for guys not to want to take a very active role in birth control. You know, I mean, whether a woman does it or Especially not. Especially if they knew all the potential costs to a woman right? from taking these, these hormones. Yeah, I don't want to put that responsibility on anybody. I mean, any like, responsibility. Put a condom on your dick, right? Maybe it doesn't feel as good, right? But, like, it's way better than an invasive thing that... That stops a woman from that that shuts off a woman's hormones from the inside with synthetic hormone mimics. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just I don't like to put responsibilities on anybody of any kind that that are related to, you know, something, say, a goal or a pleasure or desire of mine or something Mm -hmm. like that. Right. And not only that, you know, there's another thing about birth control. They have the ironic side effect of of often suppressing libido. Because yeah, see, they're that, suppressing what's the point? Your hormones, what's right? The point? So women will go on these birth control pills, and they don't want to have sex. Yeah. Another problem is they actually mess with mate choice. So what often right. happens is women are on hormonal birth control. They pick a boyfriend. They go. They marry him. They go off the birth control to try to have a baby, and then they're like, "Ooh, I'm not attracted to him." So there's all kinds of problems with birth control pills. I don't completely buy the the line or the rhetoric that this is like this great liberating thing for women and there's no problems with it. It's no side. It's this great progressive thing. Well, there's another side to that. And that is that birth control pills were designed and developed by the medical governmental regulatory complex, which is which are institutions that were at the time incredibly male dominated and still are dominated by men. So how could something that's in the best interests of women come out of a system that's fundamentally dominated by men, tested on men even, (laughs) developed by men, probably developed a lot for male pleasure, right, so that they can have sex with women and, you know, the women won't get pregnant and they'll they'll even think that they're being liberated by this by this whole action. Yeah, I mean, science and tech, they they push a lot of conventional norms. Uh, I mean, and, you know, people eat it up, I guess. So in this case, they're not going to be eating it up because they'll have it implanted under their skin. Oh, well, that's convenient. From The Guardian, which is a newspaper or, well, a publication that often reports on privacy issues. So I'm curious to hear what they have to say about this. I think they think this is a good thing, but we'll see. So it's called Remote Controlled Contraceptive Microchip Could Launch by 2018 by Oliver Wainwright. Developed by researchers at MIT... 
The digital pill implant could revolutionize birth control, allowing women to switch hormones on and off at the touch of a button. Fighting over the remote control, oh God, could soon end up in more than just a channel hopping battle if researchers at MIT have their way in the Bill Gates-funded quest for the next form of contraception. Ooh, conspiracy. Yeah, there's a big one there. (laughs) A Massachusetts startup has come up with a small remote-controlled chip, like a digital Wi-Fi version of the pill, that will allow women to switch their fertility on and off at the touch of a button. And it doesn't work that way, as we said. The chip is implanted under the skin and releases small dosage of the contraceptive hormone levonorgestrel, which is a progesterone analog, not natural progesterone. So mm-hmm. it's it's an artificial hormone. It's not exactly the same. On a daily basis with enough capacity to last 16 years, which is a lot of almost the whole women's that could that could last like half the woman's span of fertility, right? Right. So so let me understand. So all this is is just release is just taking birth control in a chip form inside of you, mm-hmm. like that has a remote switch that can turn it on and off. So there's nothing really innovative here. They're just it's just a different way to transmit the same shit. Uh, yeah, it doesn't like, so there are implantable birth control things that Mm. it's like matchsticks that you kind of can get inserted into your arm, but they can cause scarring and you have to get them replaced every few years. And like, there's no way to remove them really, unless you, unless it just runs out on its own. right? Right, Right. So, um, so this could be an improvement if you look at it with that, but also definitely some scary stuff about it, as we'll see here. About the same size as a Scrabble tile, it houses a series of micro-reservoirs covered by an ultra-thin titanium and platinum seal. The hormone is released by passing a small electric current from an internal battery through the seal, which melts it temporarily, allowing a 30-microgram dose of levonorgestrel to seep out every day. And it can be simply switched off by wireless remote, avoiding the clinical procedures needed to deactivate other contraceptive implants, like we just talked about. The ability to turn the device on and off provides a certain convenience factor for those who are planning their family, says MIT's Dr. Robert Farah, adding that the idea of using a thin membrane like an electric fuse was the most challenging and most creative problem we had to solve. So talk about becoming a target for hacking. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, like what would the hacking do, though? Like it would stop it from from. Well, it could go the hacking could go either way. Right. right. Like you could imagine somebody who's in a relationship. Right. And they think that they're on birth control and their boyfriend wants to trap them in the relationship. So he deactivates the birth control uh. without her knowing because he's just pressing a remote. Yeah. Or, or vice versa. Imagine a woman who thinks she's shut off her birth control, but her boyfriend doesn't want to have a baby. So he turns it back on. Yeah, all this says to me is that if you're a guy, you want to have a good time and all this stuff, take responsibility for your own birth control. Don't rely on anything else. And as far as with women, I think this is terrible that this needs to happen or that somebody thought this it was a good idea. It doesn't need to happen. I mean, this is a startup, right? So right. they're trying to sell their technology. I mean, can you imagine the... Um, there was eugenics in... There was a United States eugenics movement until like the 1970s. And yeah. so, for some people, they're still around and they still want this to happen. Right. They would just love the opportunity 
to control the fertility of young women of color, probably. Yeah, you know, just be with sterilization the flip of a switch. Yeah. Imagine if we could get a chip into every woman in schools. Maybe they'll put start putting them in in schools. I'm not game for getting stuff implanted. No me. way. Keep your chips off me. Yeah. More are coming up on the after show. You've just heard Sex and Science Hour. Game over. Play again next week. chips on me how about you brian nah, no chips on me well actually we are wearing clothes which may have rfid remember a few years ago people were freaking out about the rfid chips in all the clothing oh yeah i, I know people that microwave their clothes like literally i mean they wouldn't get destroyed over years of like washing them uh that's a good cycle? question I, I don't know uh yeah, but i, I agree either. that if you know if you're concerned about that microwaving your clothes yeah that is an instantaneous solution so. <laughs> All right. Well, next time you do my laundry. Just don't do it with jeans because, you know. Oh, because the grommets can yeah. get. Yeah. yeah, You'd oh, be in some trouble. Yeah. You don't want to put metal in the microwave. I had an old microwave in college that I was going to throw away. And this is probably like the worst environmental disaster you could imagine. <laughs> but I, I knew I was going to throw this microwave away. And I, I it, at the time, this was probably 2004 or 2005. Um, I, I had some like CDs that I would store data on, like yeah. backup copies. And I had one that was defective or something. And I had heard that something spectacular happened if you could put a CD in the microwave. So I took a styrofoam cup, filled it like halfway with water, <laughs> balanced the CD on top of it, put it in the microwave, and then watched. And sparks flew. Yeah. It, it's a sight. <laughs> <laughs> Now, this was probably not a very green activity, probably maybe even illegal, <laughs> but it was fun. Then I well, threw the microwave away, CD it, and all. I, yeah. What's the statute of limitations on microwave pranks? I, I, <laughs> I don't know, but it is an impressive sight. Like some of these things that, you know, anytime you put any kind of metal in there, like it looks like like Thor is just yeah, launching down a lightning bolt. It's just, you know, I mean, instantaneous. And, and it really does look very impressive. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of fireworks, um, I, I don't think we ever talked about this on the air yet, but... We recently went, uh, crossed over the border to Massachusetts. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, we live in New Hampshire. And in New Hampshire, fireworks are completely legal. There's lots of stores that sell fireworks. You know, on the 4th of July, you can take some into your backyard and have a good time. And nobody bats an eye. Yep. In Massachusetts, however, there is, uh, they are illegal. All <laughs> fireworks are illegal, except maybe those handheld sparklers. I don't even know if they sell those in stores there. But right. I've, I've definitely held them often at New Hampshire uh, campfires, those little handheld 
birthday sparklers. Um, in Massachusetts, you drive down the highway and you see these signs. You start to see these signs. Well, first of all, you see like, don't text, wear your seatbelt. And then you see these signs that say no fireworks, jail, fines. Like it's almost like Sunday, 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 <laughs> jail, fines, going out of business sale. <laughs> you start to see those signs. And uh, they I have actually heard of like sting operations because people would go to New Hampshire and buy right. a bunch of fireworks and then drive back to their homes in Massachusetts. So you grew up in Massachusetts. I did. I mean, like when fireworks were not illegal. Oh, you remember? Okay. Yeah. So, when I was a kid, there were still there were legal fireworks you could do in Massachusetts, and I remember I remember my dad had some. He had smoke bombs, and they were they were fun. Yeah. I, well, so in New York, I never remember a time where they were legal. Uh, like they, as far as I don't know how long they've been illegal, but it's been a very long time. And I remember going to Texas as a kid, um, and. Like I bought a ton of them because mm-hmm. there's just stores on the side of the road. I mean, it's really something. And and I brought them all home. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, and that was, that was really, uh, yeah. Fireworks. What, in fact, I even, I got these <laughs> bunch of little tanks and like I'd play, I'd use them with my GI Joes and I'd set them up because whenever I played GI Joes, I always made it into kind of a mini movie and uh, it, was, it was really you exciting. You drop them into a ditch and parachute them with plastic oh, bags Oh, I did insane things with GI Joes. I, I, I'd wrap them, I'd wrap them up and, you know, like my dad would have a little fire going or something and I'd wrap them up in aluminum foil and I'd have them go in like they had fire suits on, you know, and I'd be really careful about it and everything. Um, but uh, yeah, I used to have, you know, kids don't try this at home, but boy... <laughs> Some pretty wild times. But, you know, it made me think of something. First off, I don't know if you can get fireworks on Amazon, and I'm looking into that right now. Mm, That's Um, report back. Yeah, but the second thing, and I'm going to look and see if these are available on Amazon while we are going over our Amazon purchases from Mm -hmm. stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. But, uh, like, uh, cap guns. Yeah. Like, these things are, I I can't remember the last time I've seen one. Do you remember cap guns? Remember I, they'd have the little revolver yes, and it would... I've seen a cap gun recently. My friend's son had one. He's about 10 years old. Oh, no kidding. Yes. Okay. And, and I mean, you, they're just not what they used to be, though. That's the thing. Like, when I was a kid, cap guns had smoke. They had, like, it was more of a production. They were louder. Now yeah. they're just kind of lame. I mean, I used to, like, I... You <laughs> the know, kids these days, they don't know what they're missing. Yeah. Like, me... I don't. I don't know what it is with me. I, I've pretty much always hated guns. Mm-hmm. There was a brief brief moment in my life, sadly, where that wasn't the case. Um, but I've always hated guns, and I just like taking little little rounds of caps and just hitting them with a hammer, you know, or a rock, and like just setting them off. Yeah, uh, that's I never. Fun. Yeah, it's, it's it's kind of a bygone thing. Um, but I'm not seeing a whole lot of fireworks here. Um, so on Amazon. do you see sparklers? Do you like those little handheld? Looks like there's sparklers. some smoke balls. There's I those little like snake can... guys. What are the snake guys? Oh, the, oh the, hey, there's Katy Perry. <laughs> oh, firework. Baby, you're oh, yeah. a firework. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, not. Uh, it doesn't look like much of anything serious here. Stink bombs. Ah, well, that's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like there's... Oh, this is crazy. So there's a firework. So I see this firework gourmet big variety care package. It's like, oh, I bet that's loaded with fireworks. No, it's it's a bunch of little bags of Cheez-Its and famous Amos cookies and all this shit. <laughs> it's like for when you're going to see fireworks. Oh, my God. So Amazon is not the everything fireworks store. Fireworks not included, huh? They, they really are not. You know, earlier I was looking, I was trying to find like a mini statue of Bale. You know, it's in B-A apostrophe A-L. Yeah, you know, because I want to do some worshiping of foreign about. gods and... They, they don't have any. They don't have any statues of bales. Like, what the fuck is this? False advertising on Amazon's well, part, but it doesn't mean you won't find what you're looking for. Different ways you could look at that. One is a business opportunity. 
It's a good point. <laughs> you could sell bell statues on Amazon. Yeah. There's your pro- there's your lifestyle business. Yeah. You're going to have a four-hour work week, and you're going to get rich off of bail statues on Amazon. You know, there, there might be something there. Write that shit down. I, I know a guy with a 3D printer. <laughs> That's right. I know him, too. <laughs> yeah, he's a good man. Right. <laughs> okay, so what did people buy on Amazon this week? Just to say real quick, they do still they do sell cap guns on, on Amazon. Oh, yeah. do they sell the loading, the, uh, what's it called? The uh, I mean, they're all orange The reloads now. for them? Yeah, they're um, all orange, right? So you couldn't possibly yeah, mistake I'm not, it. For I'm not really seeing the reloads, but they have both kinds where it's the revolver style and the stri- the strip style. Mm-hmm. That's on the piece of paper where you could like light the one end of the of the piece of paper and then it would just set them all off in in succession. Right. I always enjoyed those two. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're going to get in trouble for this podcast. All right, go for it. Sorry. Okay, so the first thing somebody got is a book of Sudoku. Good old Sudoku. Yeah, Sudoku. In the, this one is an easy to medium one. And this is actually a classic Sudoku. This is from 10 years ago. Do you remember when Sudoku was really big? Yes. I remember my grandmother used to play it. Yep. And this was back in 2005, 2006. And this is from 2006 by Zach Pikau. Wow, right on. And Zach spells his name, by the way, X-A-Q, which is always... That's interesting. Fancy and cool. Okay, so somebody got some Sudoku books. Uh Somebody, uh, there were a couple of audiobook purchases. Um, we hadn't had very many audiobook purchases. Like there were no real audible purchases until last week mm-hmm. when we talked about the person who got reminiscences of a stock operator audiobook, which you said you heard from that person, right? And they oh, said they it, was a good, it was a good audiobook, right? Yeah, yeah. What did they like about it? Um, well, what they were pretty stock market. Yeah. They said it was a really good history covered Mm -hmm. things pretty well. And it did show that really nothing's changed. Just the technology being used is a little different, but it's all still, you know, kind of a sham. So, (laughs) uh, which is what I had said that, that I felt, you know, the book would say. And and, yeah. Oh yeah. So, you know, today I was clearing out my old podcasts and I went back to 2014 and I was listening to an old episode, episode of let's talk Bitcoin. Oh boy. Which is a podcast that I've been on for the last three years. Um, and we were talking about, this was like um, in the aftermath of the Mt. Gox collapse. Oh, yeah. And we were talking about the Willie Report where there was these two bots that were doing these weird trading activities oh, on Mt. Gox. Man. One of them was trading while Mt. Gox was supposedly down and the other one was not paying any trading fees. And uh, the shenanigans that potentially happened there. I, I wonder... I wonder if that case like went to court or like if the documents are sealed or like what's going on with unraveling that whole Mt. Gox bankruptcy thing. Yeah, I don't know. You know, and and I was when that when that came out, the Willie report, mm-hmm. like I, I just saw that and I was like, oh, because <laughs> I took so much shit because when was when did when did Bitcoin take do that first big rise? Uh, in April? It was, would have been November 2013, I think. No, nah, there was one before that where it was like 260. Oh. It was like April. Oh, oh yeah. I think that. it was April of that year uh or maybe it's 2013 whatever when it did that yeah it was april of, of 2013 okay yeah. and then november when it did that i said i said i was like money doesn't work this way nothing does arise like that that's just not possible and then when it did that other rise when it did the big big one you know that november um, i was like this this isn't right something's not you know nothing can do this and then, you know, and everybody said, oh, no, 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 Bitcoin plays by a whole different set of rules, you know, and all this shit. And then the Willie Report comes out, and that's why I went, oh, because I was like, exactly, it was rigged. That, you know, it, it, there's no way it could do that on its own. It was, you know, it was all, all a setup. So anyway, 
that's very interesting, the Willie Report. Well, we did um, a show about that actually back in 2014. It was called Free Willie. Free Look Willie. Look for it on sexandsciencehour.com. Oh, and by the way, if you want to be on our after show, I'm sorry you can't buy fireworks or statues of Baal. Where's the fun in that? I yeah. know. But there's bound to be something maybe you can find on Amazon that you, you want. And you can be on our uh, after show by going to stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. Right. Now, I'm wondering, too, like, you can't do both Amazon Smile and stuff.sexandsciencehour. You have to pick one or the other. So you have to say no thanks if it offers you Smile. Do you have to clear your cookies if you've ever used someone else's Amazon affiliate link? Do you know that, Brian? Do you have to clear your cookies? Do you have cookies? to clear your cookies to get Sex and Science Hour to get credit for it? I don't think it all, it's all down to the link. You've, okay. You've got to use. If you follow the link, it'll happen. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the cookies shouldn't, the only way the cookies matter is, is your history. Mm. Uh, you know, and, and so if you started, if you rely upon typing in Amazon, there's mm. a chance that, that, you know, your history effectively could, could oh, go somewhere okay. else. I got it. Um, but you just, as long as you're using that link. You're fine. Right on. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, um, yep, you can do that at stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. You can send us an email if you want to uh, comment for the show at uh, show at sexandsciencehour.com. And there's also a contact form on our website, which is sexandsciencehour.com. That's right. <laughs> okay, so so we had two other audiobooks besides that Reminiscences of a Stock Operator. We had one that you'll like, Brian, Independence Day Resurgence. Oh, I listened you to listened this. You listened to that, didn't you? I recommended actually last week's episode. I think I recommended on Sex and Science. Oh, cool. Hour. Well, someone, yes, I think you did too. Yeah, someone was paying attention to that. I, whoever this, whoever got this, go ahead and contact us. I'd <laughs> love to hear your review. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, the narrator was good, but the story itself, I thought, was actually there was some nice little anti-military jabs in there too that I thought were good. Oh, uh, interesting. Anyway, I, I would definitely like to see that movie at least. We'll catch it. June I bet 20th, the audiobook's better than the movie. But... There's a chance. There's a chance. Were there sound effects in it, like when the spaceship lands and no, things like that? No, like I listen to Star Wars audiobooks now. Uh -huh. Those are laced. Star Trek books are too. Like they they have directors. They they have like a whole effects team uh where they're oh god that would be so cool oh yeah somebody hire me for one of those i'm a voice actor i'm great i love star trek yeah, you're really good yeah, <laughs> yeah well like, weren't I you mean... getting hired for deanna troy in, i was like in a porn <laughs> no i mean i auditioned for it but i didn't get cast in it and i don't think they ever ended up going forward with the project they didn't I, make I it i don't think they didn't cast me i think they just maybe couldn't go forward with it for some reason. So that's still on hold. So it's still possible. <laughs> we could make it. Yeah, we and could. I, and it was, it was meant to be animated. It wasn't like you were going to be, you know, showing the, showing the goods. Right. I was just the voice yeah. and then they were going to animate it. Right. And the first uh, <laughs> scene was between Deanna Troy and Wesley. Oh boy. And it was like, uh, my Wesley, mind just went to mush. <laughs> I can tell you're feeling very tense right now. You know, <laughs> Well, Deanna, I just... Yeah, <laughs> that's terrible. Yeah. I need to practice my accent. I mean, right I, maybe I could do a Picard or something. Yeah. She has a very no, no, unique... No, no. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Captain, you're a man. Now I'm a woman. <laughs> and that's a direct quote from an episode. <laughs> the line must be drawn here. <laughs> this far, this no, far no further. <laughs> I will make them pay for what they've done. Man, good shit. There are four lights. Yeah. Oh, oh, lights. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay, enough of that. Q, is it a plot? Is it a ploy? <laughs> right, sorry, all right, let's, let's go. Okay, so 
we have a wireless mouse purchase. It's the Shh Mouse. The Shh Mouse? Yeah, the Shh Mouse wireless mouse. Is it Yiddish? No. Oh. No, it's not like a schmouse. Like, oh. Um, like schmaltz or whatever. Schmaltz. It's it's just a it's, a it's a wireless silent mouse. I, I have not tried this one, but it's got a lot of reviews. It's got 700 reviews. Um, so it's a quiet it's mouse? It's only eleven ninety nine. Yeah, hmm. so it's a it's one of these so all the mouse all the mice in our home are this type of mouse where it doesn't make a huge loud noise when you click because right. we record so much audio we cannot have mouse clicks in it. Yep. So we have a wireless mice. So um yeah, this is one maybe I'll try. Maybe uh I don't know. I mean I I'm pretty loyal to the one that I have. There's lots of wireless noiseless mice on the market now, but I really like uh the one that I have which is the Oh God! I talked about it a couple weeks ago, so just go back to our our previous Sex and Science. Listen hour. to every episode of Sex and Science Hour for fuck's sake. Yeah, you should be you should be paying attention to this, yes. don't you know? Um, somebody bought Jake DeSillis' book Job Free. Right on. Four ways to quit the rat race and achieve financial freedom on your terms. Fantastic book. Yeah. Um. So his book is rocking. He's got fifty reviews. That's awesome. Yeah. I think this him. might be the second time around someone's bought that book because I remember you talking about it on the. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. I talked about. I did talk about it last week, and I think we heard from the person who bought who bought it because yeah. we talked about it. So that's cool. People are buying this stuff. Yeah, that buy we, more uh, copies. That we talk Shit. about it. Right on. Yeah, very cool. Oh, so suggested books. When when you look at Jake's book, um, this is about basically how to live a job free life and four different strategies that you can use to do that. And we talked right. about it last. We did a little book review, book report last week. Um, but when you look at the related books, you get a book called Early Retirement Extreme by Jacob Lund Fisker, which is a book that Jake talks about in the in the nah. job free book. Um, that's about I think extreme saving, um, how I found freedom in an unfree world by Harry Brown. Nah. Classic, classic book. Fantastic. Um, the Art of Smoking Meat. I'm not sure how that's related. <laughs> <laughs> You're a really extreme save. You're never going to the grocery store again. <laughs> how Much Money Do I Need to Retire by Todd Tresseter. That's another mm. um, classic book about early retirement. Um, and, of course, Jake's other book, Becoming an Entrepreneur. Right on. And and there's lots of other books, classic books about uh about early retirement and stuff, but you can find them all referenced in Jake's bibliography. And use the link stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. Okay, so here's something I don't know what it does, but I like the name and I like that it's rainbow colored. GOG Smart Parts Freak Bore Master Aluminum Insert Kit. No, yeah, got me. Uh, Kudos. I'm Somebody still trying is, to figure out what it actually is. Somebody's very creative, and I, I think it's beautiful. Eight-piece aluminum freak bore master insert kit. I'm guessing it's something to put in a gun because it's it's in the airsoft and paintball category. No. Nah. Well, there maybe you go. put it in a paintball gun. I have no idea. I've never played paintball. Have you ever done paintball? Yes. Mm. Yep. Voluntarily and- or. Yeah, no, it was it was voluntarily. Um, there was a little yeah, while. This, it looks like it is a paintball gun. Okay, thing. yeah, friends of mine and I, we you know we we tried it out. Um, uh-huh. I will say, wearing jeans essential. Like, because I've, I've heard a, they sting. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. that jeans are just it's instant armor. It's really really handy. So yeah. <laughs> black jeans. Well, they always can't wear see black the stains. Yeah. Um, okay, so well, this no, is... it's not they they can't see the tears. <laughs> <laughs> Here's another paintball accessory, which I, 
you know, if I looked at it fast, if I had looked at this first and I didn't have the cue of, of the other thing being about paintball, I would have probably thought maybe this was a penis pump because of the shape of it. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been my first guess. Oh, it's but the it's reservoir. Not. It's a paintball hopper. Um, okay, yeah. It's the GXG 50 round pocket pump paintball hopper. Right on. Black. You know, I remember there was there was a movie. William Shatner was involved in this. It was a documentary, more actually, uh-huh. where it was Starfleet versus the Klingons, and it was just this giant Ooh. paintball match. Oh my I god! I mean, it was it was that real. So cool. Yeah, and like Shatner, of course, was playing with with the Starfleet, but uh, but yeah, God, I forgot what that was called. That was a hell of a <laughs> thing. Anyway, um, this is cool. There's an original. This is maybe like a kids' toy, but I don't know. I would love to play with this. Uh, this is probably an all ages toy. This is a, a 3D puzzle, but it's made out of crystal, and it's a pirate ship. It's, oh. it's called the original 3D crystal puzzle deluxe pirate ship. Nice. Black. Of course it's black. Well. Everybody gets black. It's a pirate ship. Oh, and there's, there's some other 3D crystal puzzles like a panda, a castle, a T-Rex, a treasure chest. Oh, my gosh. This is, I didn't know that existed, but that's really cool. Nice. And then there's another, there's like a, another black 3D puzzle that's, that's also a pirate ship. And it reminds me of um, the band AFI. I used to like them before they were cool. December Underground. <laughs> and they had an album, an early album called Black Sails in the Sunset, which had like a pirate ship on the cover and black sails in the sunset. And it looks just like that. Such taste. <laughs> yeah. Nobody has albums anymore. Or I mean, they have albums, but nobody buys CDs anymore. Yeah. Nobody which, buys CDs. Whatever. It's I fine. have tons of albums. I just don't buy CDs. <laughs> and uh, well, that's a whole other story. I used to have this portable boom box and I would plug it into my bathroom and I'd listen to it in, like as I got in the shower in the morning as I was getting ready for school. Really? For high school. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yep, that CD reminds me of getting ready for high school. <laughs> anyway. By the way, I think that that movie with Shatner is William Shatner's Splat Attack. And I think there's multiple P's in that. Wait, William Shatner's Splat Attack? <laughs> I mean, the Shat. his name already sounds like <laughs> somebody sharded. I mean, he's an awesome actor. Don't he's, get me wrong. God. But the, call it the Splat Attack. <laughs> Next time... Oh my God. Next time I fart and I feel a little something else come out, I'm just going to say William Shatner's Splat, Splat Attack. Attack. Yeah, Playing I th- coming soon to a theater near you. I think that was it. But anyway, let's, um, yes. <laughs> so that's actually it for our Amazon purchases. If you want to beef them up, you can go to stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. I will suggest one more thing. Um, this isn't, I, let's, let's say our picks because we, we need to, give people some more inspiration for stuff to buy on Amazon. Okay. So I'll say a, a thing that I sort of want to get that I haven't tried yet and a thing that I use all the time and I love. The thing that I use all the time and I love is called Femdophilus. It is a vaginal probiotic. It's lactobacilli. I don't eat yogurt. I don't really dairy because um, I'm allergic to it, but I want nice bacteria in my vagina. So I take vaginal probiotics. And it's great if you have any kind of, I didn't really have any imbalances or problems. I wasn't getting yeast infections, but it's great if you do get yeast infections because the lactobacilli actually produce like hydrogen peroxide. They're living organisms. They produce hydrogen peroxide and they kill the yeast. So it'll get rid of yeast infections. Or if you have like Canada colonizing it, which some people do. Um, Also, 
This is crazy, but the package comes with this insert. So, like, you don't put it in your vagina. You eat it. You swallow the pills. Okay. And I'm thinking, how the hell does it get into your vagina if you're eating it? The, the vagina is not attached to the digestive tract at all. It's completely separate. But yet somehow they do. They get into the vagina and they colonize it. And they have science inside the package that shows you how that happens. Not like that. Not actually how it happens because they don't. I don't think they know how it happens, but they 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 show that it happens by genetic testing. They have they have these bacteria that are shown, you know, before the woman is taking it, she has none of these bacteria in her vagina, and then sudden magically after four weeks of taking these pills, they're in there somehow. How did they get there? We don't know. Did they teleport? Did they crawl out of her ass and into her <laughs> vagina? Nobody knows. I was going to crack a terrible joke and say, you know, I know how to instantaneous. <laughs> I was going to say something about colonizing vaginas, but... <laughs> oh, don't even go there. Do not. No, no, That's no. It's going to be terrible. No, it's, it's uh, just stop. Purely in jest, just I assure stop. you. I don't say those sorts of things. <laughs> um, And my wish list item is... Okay, I saw this, and it is super expensive, but... And note that I don't actually have this on a wish list because I don't have an Amazon wish list. Maybe I should make one because you seem to be doing great with yours. People, yeah, buy you people stuff. do very, yeah, absolutely. But the the thing that I I would love to try it's called the Smart Bun. Okay, they're gluten free, zero net carb soft hamburger buns. Gluten, listen to this, gluten free, zero carbs of sugar or starch, seventy two calories per bun. Starch-free, extremely low glycemic index. Now, what the hell is in this, you ask? Could it be sawdust? <laughs> um, Amazon is freezing on me. Oh, here we go. Nope, it froze again. Okay. <laughs> the Smart Bun product line is our solution to growing diet-related concerns for many consumers in the U.S. and around the world. Our model supports the belief that these concerns like overweight, celiac disease, obesity, high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes can be managed with the consumption of healthy and wholesome foods. Our hamburger bun is a 72-calorie, gluten-free, all-natural product. But that's not the best part. It's sugar-free and starch-free, which makes the product zero net carb. It has 12 grams of fiber and a whopping 10 grams of protein. Whoa. Besides these unique aspects, the flavor profile competes with every other gluten-free product on the market today, and the consistency is soft and fluffy. <laughs> the unique benefits and especially taste profile will appear to it appeal to a diverse range of consumers. Consumers on a diet typically avoid any kind of bread products, and I would say that is like my number one thing. Like if you want to go on a diet, if you want to lose weight but you don't know where to start, just stop eating bread. Yeah, absolutely. And stop drinking soda and you'll drop a bunch of weight fast. Yep. Our products offer consumers an option to support their weight loss goals and empower them to keep them going on their path to success and great health. Now, I've been eating low carb pretty much for 10 years or 11. No, more than since 2003. So um, I've been doing this for a long 13 years <laughs> right on. for a long time. And so I've tried a lot of low carb products. They just they weren't that good. And a lot of times when they try to make like low carb breads, what they end up doing is putting not wheat flour, but wheat, like gluten, they put the wheat protein, which is gluten. And they, they basically create products with extra gluten, which if you're sensitive to gluten, then it really makes you not feel good. <laughs> and I found that out the hard way. Before I even knew that I was sensitive to wheat. So these don't have any wheat. What's in it? It's water, 
Non-GMO fibers, oat fiber, rice fiber, corn fiber, and flax meal, eggs, erythritol, whey protein isolate, sunflower oil, cellulose gum, natural flavor, sesame seeds, salt, and spices. And the the reason I haven't bought this yet is because, are you ready for this? For a six-pack of buns, guess how much it is? No idea. <laughs> for a six-pack of buns, it is $32.94 plus... $14 shipping. That is over five fifty per hamburger bun. That's like $6 a bun. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. <laughs> and I mean, talk about ways to go on a diet. It's so expensive. You just blew your whole food budget for the entire day on one roll. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's a fantasy thing. I want to try it, but I'm not quite convinced to spend that much money. I, I'd, I'd be terrified buns. to I mean, like, what, you know, the amount... Not only that, you're not getting any calories. That's the problem. The, the more expensive it is, the less calories you get out of it. Yeah, I mean, and the stress over every bite. It's like, holy shit, I just ate yeah, 50 what if cents not and good? you only had a nibble, you know? I've bought some expensive things on Amazon, like low-carb and paleo yeah. foods that were, were disgusting. Right. Terrible. Right. So, like, the stress is going to hurt you more than it does to eat normal bread. I know. That's uh, something I would probably return it if I didn't like it. But Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, you actually can find quite a few, a, a lot, a, a pretty good variety of like, if you're a paleo or low carb person, you can find a, a, a lot of specialty products um, that fit into those diets on Amazon. And, uh, you know, you can do the subscribe and save things. So like I, I get coconut milk and um, seaweed chips and, you know, some other things on, on subscription from Amazon. So anyway, Brian, do you have any picks for stuff that you would like to try or stuff that you have bought recently on Amazon? Yeah, actually, I could run a couple picks yeah, uh, just ahead. real quick. We got one. Uh, uh, this is a book that I, I, I purchased a, a little while back mm -hmm. um, and read, and I thought it was a fantastic uh, book. And it's uh, by Meghna Desai, and it's called Marx's Revenge. <laughs> Uh, is it like Moctezuma's Revenge? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's a hell of a read. And really, I don't think you can actually understand Karl Marx until you read this. And I also don't think you can really understand capitalism. I mean, this is a very unique book. It's from uh, maybe I think it might have got done in the late 90s. And, you know, they reprinted it in like 04 or something. Because Karl Marx actually coined the term capitalism. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. As and a I pejorative. Think yeah, a very misunderstood guy. Uh, and I'm not saying I agree with what Karl Marx said. I'm just saying that incredibly, you know, like the, you know, if you only know Marx through Rothbard, Mises or Rand, um, you know, you're you're getting and, you know, it's like God talking about Satan. Well, actually, <laughs> and, you know, like Satan might actually be the good guy. No, I'm not saying Marx is the good guy, but you, you know you're what getting I, a biased you, opinion. You know, consider the source, son, as, as Satan would say. Uh, but, <laughs> Uh, so I, I'd recommend checking that out just to just to round out your economic theory. I mean, because it, it, it's not it's not like a, a pro communism book either. Uh, so you know, give that a read. Um, the other thing is that uh, this just came out. I have not heard this yet, and it is not available in a digital format. And I'm pissed as shit about it. Uh, but uh, Kip Winger, who is the lead of the band Winger, one of my favorite bands of all time, uh -huh. who still makes great albums, Karma, Better Days Coming. Those came out in the past five years, just phenomenal. Um, but he actually has the number one classical music album on the market today out there. Really? It is ranked number one, Kip Winger. Wow. And the album, it's called, it's uh, CF Kip Winger, and he did it with the San Francisco Ballet Orchestra. Uh, and... Like I've heard demo of it and it is phenomenal. 
I, I love Kip Winger, but kudos to him. I mean, here's, you know, one of the greatest metal artists of all time. And he, he ends up, you know, taking over the classical, uh, uh, you know, charts, uh, as it were. So anyway, CF Kip Winger, give it a look. So he must be a truly talented classical musician. He is a t- very talented musician. There's no question there. Now, I just took a browse through the uh, this week's top startup products, and I have to say, I was not impressed. Where where does this come from? Um, just on the front page of Amazon. Oh. Um, or is it the front? Yeah, it's the front page. If you scroll down, you can see this top startup products. There's like a watch bracelet type thing that talks you through your workout. There is um, a a like wrist weight that looks kind of like an apple eyewash that you can stack with heavy little magnets there are cork shoe inserts there's a wi-fi router that tells you the weather on it and looks kind of pretty and then there's a, a little dinosaur and i don't know what that does strange cogni toys oh it's a, some smart dinosaur talks to your kid nah. great great baby einstein all over again so what i have to say i'm not impressed i don't think i would get any of those things but you never know. Maybe yeah. someone else will be interested out there. I would definitely get Femdophilus, and I would love to try those buns, the smart buns. Those but buns. I have a feeling I would be dumb a dumb bun if I bought one, <laughs> <laughs> because I'd be a sucker bun, because <laughs> I spent so much money, I $6 for a hamburger bun that doesn't even give you any calories. Oh, <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for us this week. Show at sexandsciencehour.com if you have comments or want to talk to us or send us an email for the show. Stuff.sexandsciencehour.com to go shopping. And, and tell a friend. Tell two friends about our show if you like it. Uh, thanks to all the people who do share it. At Sex Science Hour is the Twitter. So hit that up. Too. Okay. I don't want to give people too many things to do, but I, I think so. I think we'll stop there. That sounds good. It's true. All right. We'll be back at you next week. Have a good one. This is Sex and Science Hour. <laughs>